Hey dog people of the internet, welcome to Cog Dog Radio, a podcast all about dog sports, behavior, and training. I'm your host, Sarah Stremming of the Cognitive Canine, and I can't wait to share my behavior cases, training revelations, and general geekery with you. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I have the final installment of the case study on Keen the Border Collie for you today. This is part three. So if you have not listened to parts one and two, I suggest that you do that first. In this episode, I talked to Jenna Strayer, who is Keen's owner. She covers some things that I didn't cover in the first two episodes, some details that are uh, really particular to her life with Keen. And we talk about where Keen is now. One thing that we didn't talk about that I do think is worth noting is that Keen is off all behavior medication now. Figuring out his medical concern, which we discussed in episode two, is what has allowed him to get off of behavior meds. I think that's pretty remarkable, and I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Will you start by sharing your name and your pronouns? Uh, my name is Jenna. My pronouns are she, her. Thanks for coming on today, Jenna. So I would like to start with talking about why you reached out for coaching because you are a capable trainer. You train professionally. You actually did have probably about as decent a handle on the situation as I could have expected. So what made you actually bite that bullet on private coaching? So when you have a dog like Keen, at some point, it's not that you throw in the towel, but it's more that you realize that you have to come to terms with the fact that management is the safest option for everyone involved. And that's kind of where I was. I was there for a couple of months where I was, you know, managing the beast that is Keen when my other border collie, who was kind of God's gift to the world, needed a pretty intense spinal surgery so she was down for the count for months and I was kind of like looking at Keen like that meme where the guy is like poking the fire with the stick like (laughs) like do something come on and I'm like looking at him like wondering if I can do better so like obviously I have been a long time follower of yours so I figured like let's start with a Fenzy class you were offering one that was on the four steps of behavioral wellness And I thought I had that pretty well covered, but I thought it'd be a good opportunity to get some personalized feedback from you. And week one was off-leash hikes in nature. And I was like, oh God, okay. Here's Sarah. My dog doesn't walk off-leash in nature. All he does is bounce in front of me. I do this for two hours a day, seven days a week. And he basically just bounces in front of me. And we were like, okay, this is a bigger problem than maybe this class can solve. And he was basically doing, I was doing everything with him that the class kind of covered. So I thought about maybe doing the fix it class. But at that point, how do you pick one issue for a keen to fix? It's fix I it, think- not fix everything. <laughs> and it's also like walking was the least of our concern because that's what I wanted to cover, right? I'm like, I feel like Sarah could really help me with this walking issue. Like, let's let's talk about walking. And then, like, I sat back, like, what the fuck, Jenna? Like, walking is the least of this dog's concerns, right? And, you know, like, Sam, also featured on the pod with Mucho, had done personalized coaching. And I had told her, I was like, I don't think Sarah, like, this isn't what she does. Like, Mucho couldn't eat around agility. Mucho was went to overstimulation nation every time he was trying to do agility. And you needed to clean up your handling. 
Keen can't exist in the world. Keen is like a living, breathing demon. Like, I don't know that this is something that Sarah can do or wants to do. So, you know, I reached out to you and I said like, so I know I said that walking was the problem, but here are the other things that he does. <laughs> he wants to kill everything and everyone. <laughs> so you decided to take me on. I had the time because Carmen was down. And I decided like, let's see what we can't do with this guy. I mean, at this point, the world is his oyster. I have nothing else going on. Let's see what Sarah can't do about this. <laughs> yeah. And so you have said, I mean, I'm really glad that you reached out. I do think a lot of people believe that most of what I do is sport related behavior, which is totally my fault because I say that I specialize in behavior problems and performance dogs. What the reality is, is that I like working with sport people, right? Whatever the problem is, I'm usually willing to, if I think I can help you, I will take you. I, it it was cute of me to think that I could help Keen, but. The thing is, (laughs) I want to make sure it's well known that I did not expect you You to help. At that point, I had you know, I just paid for a $10,000 surgery. So I had plenty of money to burn. <laughs> and I was like, even if I just paid this monthly fee to have like a smart person to bounce ideas off of someone to vent to someone that I knew wouldn't judge me, you know, owning a dog, like this is a really lonely place. And it's a place that's filled with a lot of shame normally. Mm-hmm. And I knew having you just there would be welcome. And it was something at the time that was worth it to me, even if I didn't get a result even if nothing changed, knowing that I had that validation from someone that I respected was worth the cost to me. We did talk about the fact that you didn't actually expect me to fix anything, which was part of why I wanted to take you on because I don't love like it. Low pressure, I love it. <laughs> well, I don't love it when it's like, you are my last hope. Oh God, no. Right, I can't handle that. I'm sure as a dog trainer, you also cannot oh, handle no, that. So- I want to jump back. You had said that with a dog like Keen, you get to a place where you're just managing. Like management is the safe option. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What did that look like? Also, was it safe? Like where where were you with your management? Let's jam about that. So it was still a nightmare. Like living with a dog like this is not easy by any means. And like my idea of management was you know, I was driving an hour one way every single day, two hours in the car to walk this dog, to take him somewhere where, you know, like triggers would be low. Ideally, we wouldn't see anyone. We wouldn't see any other dogs. Like there would be no situations, right? But that's not life. Like that's not reality. You're always going to have triggers everywhere, especially with a dog like King. His triggers change by the hour. (laughs) So there was like, I think we talked about Sarah, which, God, it's terrible. But so like, for example, life with Keen was living in my house. He would go outside on a leash because I lived in a very suburban area. He would be on a leash, even in my garage to the car. He would always be controlled because that was my way of managing him. But people from the Midwest will know that last summer we had like the cicada invasion of 2022, right? 2021 was, which are these little bombs for people that don't know. They come out every 17 years and they had the fucking nerve to come out when Keen was at his worst. And what they do is they basically scream 
like they their mating call is like this high pitched scream and it comes in waves right and it's happening all the time where i live because it was a hot spot for this action whatever and keen hated it hated yeah. it. and one day which he has never ever tried to bust through a door or through a barrier or anything like that one day he heard them outside and I was going out to the garage and he just busted through, which is something he's never done. And the way that he took off, it was, he was red zoned. He was gone. It wasn't a cute little jog away, catch me if you can. It was a dog that was running for his life. Mm -hmm. um, but he was just, he was trying to locate the sound and that's what he would do. It's because he couldn't locate the sound. He would just keep running and running and running, trying to figure out how to make it stop. Yeah. And it was like running 30 miles an hour, like I said, like red zone, like, and this was late August. So it was probably 90 degrees outside in the middle of Ohio and my house backed up to a state forest. So like hundreds and hundreds of acres of these, of woods where these cicadas live mm -hmm. and he was gone and I didn't know what to do. And I just kept seeing these like black and white flashes of my dog, like sprinting around, trying to figure out how to make the noise stop, which he was obviously never going to make the noise stop. It's nature. And it was just, it was traumatizing. Like, you know, I did one of those classic posts on Facebook, like, can someone come help? Even though I knew like you weren't going to catch this dog until he collapsed. Right. Right. But you needed, and, you were like, somebody help me. Yeah, I know. I didn't know what else to do. It was terrible. Like I got in my car, I left my car running in the middle of a busy street trying to catch him. I mean, I had like a Frisbee. I was trying to, cause I could see these flashes of him going in and out of the woods. And I was trying to like show him the Frisbee and like, but he wasn't seeing me. He wasn't seeing anything. He was just manically running. And by the grace of whatever you believe in, it started to sprinkle. And when it rains, they shut the fuck up. So it started to rain and he came back to my house and he just collapsed in the driveway. And he was exhausted. He was overheated. It was a nightmare. So that was a management failure. So after that, my walking spots became even more limited because now the dog couldn't be in counties where there were cicadas. The dog couldn't be anywhere where I might see people, where there was any roads nearby. So a friend who owns like a hundred acres offered to let me walk him on her property, which was super nice. This was like probably a week after the cicada incident. She did not tell me, which why would she tell me? This is not something that would bother a normal dog, that there was cows probably half a mile away from her property line. So I was walking keen on a long line attached to a harness because you never know. And he takes off after something. I have no idea what the fuck he takes off after. And I realize I can see him in the distance and he busts through a live electric fence to go after a herd, plural, a herd of cows. And he's after this one cow, I still remember what he looks like. He was the only tan cow out of all the black and white cows. And King was just on his circling him biting him and then went for his face right this is a live electric fence that this dog busted through to go after cows that were just minding their own fucking business so what do i have to do as i see like 50 plus cows coming to join their cow friend who is clearly in distress is i was able to put him in a down 
because I think at this point Keen did realize that there was more cows coming so he was thinking maybe he could engage with those cows as well but I was able to put him in engage engage with (laughs) yeah so I was able to put him in a down and my I myself had to then go reach through the electric fence to grab the end of his long line and like reel him in like a trout off of this cow that was another management failure so did he rip the long line out of your hands no, at this point, like he was just dragging it because he was pretty sane. He like, was dragging it. I see. You weren't holding it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because in that situation, it was a precaution that you were taking. You didn't actually expect correct to need it, which raise your hand if you've been there. Like raise your hand if your dog's been dragging a long line and then something has happened. Like you were like, wow, I really should have been holding that long line. I mean, I'm in that group of people for sure. For sure lots lots of keen trauma i mean there was a time where <laughs> this is all during this that is jenna's just unpacking of the trauma, yeah, this is episode just trauma is what this is. also did you if she had told you about the cattle that's a half a mile off of her property line like would i wouldn't you... have gone i wouldn't have gone because i would have known you wouldn't have you would have known that he would have yeah yeah and, and he, would you have known because he's done that before because you expect no. him to no. attack anything that comes no, because him. I expect him to attack anything to chase anything and like he still to this day obviously not quite as bad but like he never no one ever like wrote him a letter that told him that hurting is prey drive controlled he didn't get the last controlled bit he just got the prey drive also that the actual like bite kill eviscerate consume yeah yeah, yeah. that would not be that. is supposed yeah. to be removed <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. supposed to not be in there anymore not cool not cool at all um there was a time where keen which thankfully this time he was not aggressing after the person he just so happened to be chasing a squirrel and crossed paths with the person and they reached down and pepper sprayed the shit out of his face like from far away like oh. pepper him like crazy and then he came up to me and we both got that pepper spray and then like I'm crying trying to drive to a CVS to get saline rinse um there was that moment and this was literally all within like a three and a half week span this Mm -hmm. isn't like oh this is a year or two years no this is all like it was a dark time it started with the cicadas it started with the the plague of cicadas and then it just a dark time ensued yeah, I mean, it was just terrible. I mean, like with the cicadas, and this was like, I think the month before we started coaching, mm-hmm. because like, it was so ridiculous, the fact that I was going to like the Ohio Department of Natural Resources website, and I was cross referencing the maps with cicada populations, and then also like their nature preserves and overlapping them and seeing like where I could possibly walk keen. So like, there was days where I would drive an hour and a half away to walk him and show him like, oh, this isn't a trail anymore. Or, oh, this hasn't been cut in three years. Because I was just looking at Google Maps and Google Earth and seeing what might be trails for keen. And we would get in the car, we would drive and sometimes we'd show up and it'd be a trail and sometimes it wouldn't and we would go home. Life with him was something that I had accepted, but it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was. And something that I glossed over in the first episode, but that, and the reason I glossed over it, Jenna, is because you and I didn't work on it much at all. It really is something that got better when we figured out his medical issue is his aggression towards other dogs. So this is not something that you really covered because it's not something that we covered together. 
Mm -hmm. because really in my life, keeping him away from other dogs was the easiest thing I could do. I could get, it's like, it would have been the number one problem for so many people. It was the last on your list. Yeah. So you didn't really know about the extent of his dog aggression because we had much bigger fish to fry over the course of our Mm -hmm. but his aggression was not good. It would start with that kind of circling snapping thing that you had talked about where, you know, like manically circling and biting at the feet and even biting at the face of other dogs. Those dogs rightfully so would want to correct that because it's inappropriate as fuck. And when they would, it was on for Keen. He was then ready to kill them. I peeled him off, I think three dogs, maybe four, before I realized that this is not a dog that can ever interact with other dogs and all those three or four times I will also say we're all accidental interactions right so like one a client had come in and just opened the door to my facility and Keen was there and it was just a nightmare none of those were on purpose but once it accelerated to that again management fails always fails Mm. but once it accelerated to that I went to extreme measures to make sure he was never going to interact with other dogs that he didn't know because these were dogs. He weighs, he's a shrimpy little boy. He weighs like 29, 30 pounds. Mm. And he would be trying to kill 90, 100 pound noodles. Like it wasn't good for Keen. <laughs> it wasn't looking good. No. And so I think that the moral of the story kind of is that you actually went to extreme management measures that most people either wouldn't be willing or wouldn't be capable of doing. And yet, management does always fail. There are always breaches in management in any case, in any situation that we're talking about. And so when I work with clients, one of the things that we often discuss when we're discussing a management plan is, okay, and what happens? What are the potential occurrences if this management does fail? Absolutely. When the risks are that somebody gets seriously hurt, when the management fails, then that's where we need to talk about, we need to talk about upping the management, but we also need to talk about training the dog to a level that the management failure doesn't have to be a disaster. Right. But then also from that point of view, what happens when you can't train a dog? Right. And so, right. And so when you can't get the behavior change that you are after, couple of things are true. One is that pivoting with your approach to the training needs to be something you're comfortable doing, but also this whole time, you know, and we're going to, we got, I got there in episode two, but this whole time I was thinking there is something else here because I can trust that everything is being done correctly. And yet we're still in not a great place, right? Oh, yeah. So let's get to kind of the standard interview questions that I ask everybody. And I'm sure that we will go off charts and completely go down rabbit holes. And that's totally fine. Really good at. Everybody loves it. So it's great. Just, just <laughs> do it. So throughout our work together, I asked you to do a lot of stuff. I always ask people what the hardest thing is that I ask them to do. So what are your thoughts on that? So this question is funny because I did not think anything that you asked me to do was too hard. I mean, life yeah. with King was 
you were already living in hell (laughs) it was so fucking difficult that you could have told me to like fly to Aruba with him and like do xyz and I would have been like okay We'll try it. Let's it could do have been it. like, so you and Keen both need to do ayahuasca. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Okay. You would have been it. like, and okay, I'm looking at flights. Literally, literally. I mean, you could have asked me to do the most ridiculous thing. And I'm the type of girl, I'm like, I'll try anything. Like, I'll try anything once. Like, things cannot get worse. So let's do anything. So there wasn't anything that was really too hard for us because life was already so hard. Anything that you asked us to do that might alleviate that pain was something I was willing to try. Basically, I didn't ask you to do anything that was hard because you had already been asked by Keen or told by Keen what you would be doing and it was hard. (laughs) And I don't want it to seem, like I'm sure people at this point are thinking like, what the fuck is this girl still doing with this dog? I don't want it to seem- I am sure some people are having that thought. So (laughs) go go off, what is it? And I don't want people to think that he's just this like demon child that's always trying to kill everything all the time. He's so sweet with me and he's so endearing and he's so witty and funny and he's so easy to train. I mean, I love this dog so much, but yeah. life with him was not easy. And that's that's the truth of it. I don't want it to seem like he's so terrible because he he did have so many redeeming factors to him, which made me want to keep fighting for him. Like, I don't want this to be a keen roast. Like, I don't want it to just be like we're roasting and slamming on Keen the entire time because- No, we're both big, we're both big fans. We're both big fans of Keen. I I think Keen's wonderful. I think he's, I would have been you, like his face, first of all. And do you know how easy- Do anything. Like, I could have gotten rid of him so easy, like, but I couldn't because I love that fucker so much. And he's, (laughs) like, I hate it, but I love him and he is- such a nice dog in so many ways it was just he was also not a nice dog in a lot of ways too (laughs) which is really honestly frequently the case like really frequently the case that people who are struggling as much as you are struggling they love that fool that there's not another reason that they're struggling so hard right and I also don't want this to seem like if you do choose to rehome it's because you don't love the dog I think oh absolutely if a really good option you know, if the per like we don't know what the perfect option for Keen would and that's be. the thing, Sarah. I don't know if you remember this, but I did ask you, like, and I did have several of these moments during my time of owning Keen, you know, like the kind of moments where you're in a ball crying, sobbing in your Yeah, shop. those moments, yeah. Yeah, those moments. I mean, I wasn't doing that on the phone with you, but I did ask you and I asked myself many times, would this dog be better somewhere else? Yeah. Could. We talked about it. We explored that option for sure. And I thought, okay, easy peasy. Absolutely. He'd be better somewhere else. I just have to ha- find a farm that has no animals. One, <laughs> farmer. one farmer, no visitors. It does not thunderstorm at this farm. Um, there's no cats, no poultry, no animals. And he gets to sleep little spoon with that single farmer every single night. Easy peasy. Let's find it. <laughs> the reality was that it didn't exist. It didn't. And like, no, it do- it didn't. I was Keen's best case scenario, but have that scenario existed where he would have been thriving or happy in another home, I would have bitten that bullet. I would, because that's what everyone wants for their dog, right? At the end of the day, they want what's best for their dog. So I don't want it to be like a, you keep fighting for that dog, no matter what, no matter how miserable you are, you got to keep that dog, Right. It's a matter of making sure everyone's as happy as possible. And the reality was Keen was the happiest and he was the safest with me. 
and there was nowhere else where he would be happier or safer and that's what it came down to with them that's another tangent for sure for sure and I think there are a lot of dynamics that could have been involved that would have made that not true like if you wanted to you know host a party every week with six or seven you know brand new friends I it just wouldn't have like if that were the kind of person that you were (laughs) thank you you, (laughs) Um, that maybe wouldn't have worked out but and he gets along well with your household dogs as well so that's that's really important too so was anything surprising that I asked you to do nothing I don't think surprised me again I was pretty much down for whatever willing to try anything obviously outside of like the medical kind of discovery that we had I was I don't think I was really surprised by anything though just trauma had jaded you to a point that nothing was going to surprise you outside of keen even yeah yeah as a person as a person you seem um like no I don't think I could shock you no (laughs) as an individual no I don't yeah I don't think I could so the medical stuff was probably the answer to the next question which is what is the most important thing we did yeah definitely I mean just finding out that missing piece like you said everything is going right environmentally something has to be going wrong internally right yeah so figuring out what that was. And I know we explored a couple different things. Thankfully, the first and cheapest option that we explored ended up being his the key to his success. But yeah, yeah. you know, and not cheap and not easy, but not as bad as it could have been. No, no. And I don't know how much you talked about too with the testosterone therapy that we were thinking of trying. I didn't go into what that would look like because it isn't yeah. what we did. Sure, sure. But it was going to be a situation where, you know, it's not something they do in the United States. And like my wonderful veterinary behaviorist was willing to, you know, import testosterone right. from Australia right. and do these daily injections for him. <laughs> and that was not going to be cheap. And it no, probably was... now knowing what his issue was would have been a fucking nightmare if we would have given that dog more testosterone. Yes. Just- I, yes. And knowing, knowing the um, pretty well examined correlation between testosterone and aggression oh god I was real I don't think we talked about this I was really hesitant to do it again we talked about how like what it would look like if we talked about how it could go wrong yeah 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 and so we wanted to kind of be sure that that was what he needed and turns out it wasn't yeah which is great because what he needed was a little zinc in his life and that is odd and interesting and now I think you and I both wonder how many dogs that actually is true for Mm -hmm. who have really severe problems I think that Keen would have easily been a behavioral euthanasia candidate in in like the hands of most people and I don't know if that's something that you grappled with or not but in the hands of in the hands of most people, he would have been considered a candidate and um, he would have gotten himself killed in other situations. I mean, well, I could think of a couple just that you just talked about I, yeah. easily gotten killed. <laughs> um, and he's totally different. So talk about that. Where, where is Keen now? What is his life like today? What is he looking like? So 
Keen is a different dog in literally every aspect of the world. His entire life is different at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I approached you originally, if you would have said like something I ask my clients all the time, like in a perfect world, what do you want out of behavioral training? And I would have said, I want him to be able to exist around people and around other dogs. I wasn't asking for anything more. I wanted him to be able to see a person, see a dog and not want to kill someone. And now he is not only training in agility, but he's trialing in agility with his head on his shoulders. He was able to go to group classes for agility. He was able to work off leash in a ring with another dog at um, a group agility seminar. Um, he is doing barn hunt crazily successfully, which it's means like his favorite. <laughs> oh my God, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but he loves it. But the key, the most important, impressive thing to me is that he, that dude can sit in a blind with five other dogs who are normally not okay. And they're people. And they're people. And he can sit there and he can take treats and he can do his pattern feeding and go into the ring and do his thing. Before, I mean, he couldn't be within a hundred yard radius of another person without like trying to eat my hands off taking food. So that's pretty cool. He's able to make dog friends. He regularly befriends my doodle clients, which is just absolutely mind boggling and honestly a little embarrassing for me. Um, <laughs> that those are the friends that he chooses to keep. No, I'm just kidding. But like the most obnoxious doodle clients are always the, the keen fave. Um, but he's making friends. He's existing around new people. He's existing around new dogs. He's thriving. Um, there's scenarios like even now, months later, that I realize in the moment that this is something that he would have never been able to do, like going and working agility at a horse farm off leash while there's horses in the pasture. Like, Outrageous. Yeah. Amazing. God knows he would not, I would have never even unclipped his leash in that scenario before. He was able to like practice obedience, which everyone knows is the easiest I think sport for a dog to disengage from to go do something else very yeah well there was a confirmation class going on in the class in the ring next to him you know like a bunch of dogs ah. literally just running in circles while he's doing heel work it was just insane he was able to just the other day work on his weave poles while someone was mowing on a zero turn mower which for non-border collie people I think they're like so what but even the most normal border collie I don't think would be able to no handle that no I would I don't think I would ask my dogs to do it and I mean it's it's just insane the things that he's able to do now and the things that he's able to cope with in his recovery time when he does I mean he's still not perfect I mean what border collie is but it's just it's like I have that dog I was talking about earlier like the dog that I love so much and he's so endearing and he's so witty but I also now have like that partner that I was craving so much before that I had basically ran off, mm. which is something I never, I never, ever thought I would have again from him. <laughs> it's kind of remarkable. I, I'm going to go off script here and ask a question that you, I want you to share whatever your like truth is on this question. I know what I think the answer is. Do you feel like any of the targeted behavior modification that we did, I'm specifically thinking about stranger-directed aggression. 
Do you feel like that did anything or do you feel like literally the dog was zinc deficient and he couldn't put the fire out in his brain until we actually got that settled? I think that it was mainly a lot of, it was mostly the medical side of it. Um, I think that there's some coping mechanisms on my part with his reactions that helps that you were able to give me like the come to Jesus collar grab was like a huge thing. (laughs) Okay, I didn't tell anybody that you called it that. Oh, okay. Well, it was- Go ahead and share. Okay, so it was the come to Jesus collar grab because when he would make a bad decision, we would have to have a come to Jesus meeting about it. And that meeting was just a collar, like a collar grab was where we would hold our meetings. Jenna named it the come to Jesus collar grab. I ran with it. I want to clarify- that it was nothing more than what I talked about in episode two. It wasn't anything bad. It was just a stern, like my dog is flying away. So I'm going to hold him down onto this planet earth until he can get it together. And here's what I'll say about that. The come to Jesus collar grab, including, and all the rest of the B mod that we did with stranger directed aggression. It really did get him to a more manageable place. Yeah. But he still would have needed to be heavily managed for the rest of his life. Absolutely. And I mean, like when we were in that period between like what we were doing with the B-Mod and when we were working on his medical stuff, I mean, I was doing those long ass walks with like a French ring jute toy, like tucked in my armpit the whole time, like waiting for anything to happen. So like I could give him his marker to strike that toy, Yeah, which was a huge, huge thing that we did. And it was wildly successful, but like you're not going to catch me in the woods now with a toy under my armpit. <laughs> Which I love for you and I love for Keen. And yeah. so I think my overall message on this is that let's say the medical piece had not been explored. Mm-hmm. I think with your good solid B mod, which I think that final plan that we landed on was the right one. Mm-hmm you can get to a place where this dog is more manageable and more livable for you. Mm-hmm. But if there is something truly wrong with the dog internally, mm-hmm. that's all you're ever going to get Correct is relatively managed. And so I think that we brought Keen to a more managed place with our training. And had we stopped there, you still would have been better off than you were. Absolutely. Yeah. I have said to many, many clients, I think there's actually something medically wrong with your dog. And I am not a veterinarian, so I don't know what it is but here's some ideas and I want you to dig until you find it. Thus far, Jenna, in my career, I've not been wrong. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying that I can't be wrong. I, of course, (laughs) I'm open to that possibility. No, (laughs) but I don't say it a lot. I don't say it to every single client. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is about the fact that really excellent training and wellness procedures should get you to the other side of what you're dealing with. And when it can't, it is wisest for us to look medical. Yeah. And I don't know how this brings like another tangent, but I don't know how much you talked about like the other like little zinc red flags that we had. Please talk about some of those because it's interesting, Jenna, because there are a lot of them are just in retrospect. Like absolutely nobody wouldn't you, your vet team, nobody would have been like, well, this dog must have a zinc deficiency, like looking at those things, but there were other red flags. So talk about those. So December 20th of 20, it had to be 2020 because it was, we went on a birthday hike for myself Keen stepped on a thorn or something just pricked his precious little paw pad, even just like ever so slightly. And that dog 
that tiny little wound took 15 weeks to heal. We were in and out of the vet. We did exploratory surgery. The dog's foot was wrapped for three months and that foot would not heal. And it was one of those things where, you know, like no one's going to say the dog's zinc sip deficient, but something wasn't right there. And, you know, they had thought maybe there's something in there. Maybe we need to like figure it out. And it was something that did heal, but it was just so freaking slow. And we just tossed it up to like keen things or like it's a one-off. Well, and he'd never had, like when he was neutered, he didn't have like excessive bleeding that was documented. Uh Like it didn't look like a Von Willebrand's situation. Everybody was kind of scratching their head about it. And like, what, why won't this heal? Yeah. And like, um, like daily foot soaps, he was on meds. I mean, he was in and out of that like every other week, which for a keen in that situation was not a great time. He was yeah. in a clone. He was, his foot was wrapped. He was wearing a boot 24 <laughs> seven for three months. This dog was in this situation for three months. And it was just one of those things where it was like kind of weird, but life is weird. So we're just going to keep moving on. And then like during that time span, I had also taken him to the vet two or three times because I was like, this dog has something going on with his thyroid. Mm. And I like insisted on getting his thyroid checked two separate times because he was so fucking fat and (laughs) could not lose weight. Like it was to the point where my vet, like bless her heart was like, he needs to be eating 627 calories a day and like wrote it on a post-it note. And I had it stuck on my fridge because he wouldn't lose weight. He could not lose weight. And he had like this crepey skin like I like it was like crepe interesting so weird and he like it was dry but it was mostly just like crepey I don't know how else to describe it and it was like I thought skin issues thyroid sure weight issues thyroid thyroid was fine everything was fine and like it was kind of one of those things where the vet's like I don't know what to tell you because it's like just stop feeding him so much or like (laughs) give him some fish oil you know but Within six weeks, eight weeks of the zinc, his skin was fine. I mean, now he's at, I mean, oh my God, it's so embarrassing now, Sarah. He was up to like 42 pounds. <laughs> and like gaining, which for an 18 inch dog, that's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Real right. bad. Yeah. And like, it was, I think I told you this too when we started coaching. I said, I've sacrificed his body conditions for because I wanted to work on the training. And yeah. he's at that point he wasn't a sport dog, so I wasn't concerned yeah, about him. We're gonna keep him in a caloric deficit. Yeah, because the training to me was Which more. I will say also that when I work with dogs who are in a caloric deficit, all of their problems are worse. And this is actually well documented in Well, I'm fucking in, angry in, when I'm hungry. Yes, this is well documented in humans. Hanger is real. Everybody yeah. needs to eat. Don't listen to the bikini industrial complex. Just eat. And also dogs too. When we are obsessed with their weight and we keep them in a caloric deficit, we create more problems. I want my dogs to be lean and in good condition as well. I get there with exercise and with high quality food. Yeah. But it was one of those things again that it just didn't make sense. I was well, you couldn't, it doesn't make any sense. You were I was right. eating less. He was eating nothing but complete imbalanced food. And again, food that's a clue that there's something else wrong, right? So like, I don't think it's looked at like that enough. And I do think that that's a societal problem and that our vision eating. <laughs> our vision on that is clouded because of um, societal 
you know, just the fat phobic patriarchy that we live in. <laughs> but that's worse. Of course, that's a different podcast <laughs> that if anybody wanted to hire me to do, I would jump all over. But if you could kind of send a message out to anybody who's maybe dealing with an extremely difficult dog, what would that message be? I think, and this might not be what you're expecting, but I think my message would be do not give up for your dog but know when to quit. So like when you have a difficult dog like this, go to the ends of the earth if that's what's best for both of you. But if it's not, find that dog a better situation. Find yourself a better situation. Do what's best for your dog and do what's best for you, I would say. I think there's stigma out there where you're always supposed to do only what's best for the dog and prioritize the dog. And I think the people fall to the wayside a lot. I always tell my own clients, like, your feelings matter. I'm going off on, like, a whole new tangent now that doesn't even answer your question. I mean, but like, your, your, if you could just say your feelings matter as your message to everybody yeah. with a dog, I feel like that's a great, that's a really important message. And I talk to clients about that a lot, too, that, you know, you're, I've paid a lot of money in therapy to learn that my feelings matter. So let me just tell so, you, your feelings do matter. It's just so insane to me to think about my mental health now living with the keen now versus my mental health living with the keen in the summer of 2021. Like, it's just insane. It's, it's insane how much it can affect you. And you said no when to quit, but you never quit. <laughs> right. I mean, I think it goes back to the idea of I was Keen's best case scenario. There was no fantasy farm for him to go live on. And I did love him so, so, so much. And it's not that people that give up don't, or I don't want to even say give up, but the people that find their dog a better scenario don't love their dog. Sometimes they do because they do love their dog so much. But I mean, that dude just had my heart and I knew that no one else could give him the life that I could. And I think that also you jumped through all the hoops that I presented again without being surprised and without blinking you were just like oh okay weird weird blood test all right well let's just figure out who can do that for us and it was it was just every time I presented something for you to do you did it and I also feel like that was helpful to you like if you were on a mission to uncover the next thing with Keen, that was better for you than over here trying to manage and wallow and be like, oh, yeah. this is just going to yeah. suck forever, right? Like action okay. helps everybody. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. And I mean, again, new tangent, that's who I am. It's what I do. But like, where's Keen now? I'm just now thinking about what now that you're talking about the BMOD that we did that there was someone that helped us with that cap training where, you know, like Keen was actively trying, like he, she, like he was being a good boy because I'm sure like you told everyone he had learned the game that if he just laid there with his mm. little halo on that the person would walk away mm. because he thought he beat the game in his head. Well, the person, and you could always still see that there was that glimmer in his eye that he was thinking about doing something really, really bad. So one person that helped us with that was at the seminar that me and Keen were just at. And she was like, she was almost in tears because she was like, I can't believe it's the same dog. I'm so happy for you. Like that was just not even a year ago that he was like that. And now he's sitting on his little station watching the seminar. It's just unbelievable. Even the vet 
that did the blood draw for his zinc test. I mean, he was muscled. I was holding him. He was Mm -hmm. thrashing and foaming at the mouth with just trying to get a blood draw out of him. And now he walks into her office and she adjusts him, does Cairo and massage on him. And he does spicy rolls and he plays with the cat toys that are in there and he jumps up for hugs on her. I mean, it's just, it's just like every, every day I'm constantly reminded of how much this dog has changed. Like just through little things like that. Like it's just, it's something that you wouldn't believe unless you've seen it with your own eyes. And like those people that have seen it with their own eyes will tell you the same thing. It is really remarkable. Well, Jenna, thank you. This was a yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that like twists, the turns, the, the, the world. According to plan, yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. And I really appreciate your time. And I also just appreciate your willingness to do the stuff, whether it was getting walkie talkies to oh, yeah. communicate appropriately I with your helpers. I car the other day and I like almost wanted to put it in a shadow box. <laughs> <laughs> the walkie talkie. Oh my God, remember why I thought box? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was walkie talkies. It was bike joring in a park in an empty parking and lot. And you didn't mention either in the first episode that I bought a fucking bike for that. I didn't own a bike. I bought <laughs> a bike. I bought, I bought the helmet. I got the line, the harnesses, and like that dude still wouldn't do it. <laughs> Maybe he would now. <laughs> I didn't own a bike prior to that assignment. I don't think you included that. <laughs> nothing surprised her and she just did it all (laughs) whatever it was whatever I said everybody okay well I really appreciate it Jenna and I'm so I'm just really happy with how this case turned out oh I think that's the understatement of the year but whatever (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you thanks for listening please be sure to subscribe and leave me a review If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio. You might even hear me answer your question on the show. For more content like the stuff you heard here, check out my online courses at cog-dog-classroom.teachable.com.